everybody, and welcome to another American Scouser podcast. We have quite the show here today. I can already feel it. Can feel the tension in the room, if you will. So, uh, before we get going, let's get the introductions out of the way. Everybody should know our ugly mugs by now, but I am your regular host, Timuchin. As always, our usual crew is here. Gally is with us. Gally, what's happening? Nothing grumpy as hell. Ah, that's great, because I think, yeah, this could be like the all-time grumpy show. And speaking of grumpy, <laughs> Bickler, what's happening? What's up, man? Ah, man, it's uh, it's been like a crazy week in the household. You guys kind of know the whole ordeal, but thought we had COVID. I guess I just had a flu, and I'm almost disappointed because I was under the impression that I beat COVID, and I was kind of going around strutting my stuff saying I'm kicking COVID's ass. Now I'm like... Just have a measly cold or a flu or some shit, apparently. So it's not as glorious as we would like it to be. But either way, without a couple of coughs and sneezes along the way, we should be able to get this podcast going. Uh, a lot to cover this week. There is almost so much from the weekend. I really don't want to spend too much time on the Newcastle game. I guess we got a hint of what we were going to see over the weekend in terms of like people missing due to COVID and stuff. Uh, but I figured we will start with that and then kind of come out to the weekend and talk about referees and stuff. Look at you guys nodding, all happy. We're like, oh, he forgot. We keep going and shit. How freaking no. Okay, here we go. Uh, as always, I know you guys always hate it, which is why everybody loves it. And I had asked about this before in our previous podcast. And I'll ask again, actually, for those of, those of you listening in right now and Thanks again, by the way, for your continuous support this year. Uh, this will be our last episode from Christmas, and then one more before they go at the end of the year. Uh, as always, please do the liking, sharing, and all that kind of stuff that we always forget to ask. And see, like you say, trivia, Cosgrove just crawls under this uh, Adama Trara blanket and is ready to go for our weekly trivia. So this week, actually, I do have one that was submitted by a listener. And there is, I read this and I was like, dude, there is no way in hell they're going to get this. And that's why it's a good reason to ask. So uh, there is a Leicester game coming up. So you guys would think it's going to be Leicester later, right? Well, you'll be right. It is Leicester related. And then we just had kind of like a major red card fiascos, right, over the weekend? Yep. So it is also red card related. I don't even think any of the listeners is going to get this. It's a really tricky one, but one of the listeners kind of came across it today on a tweet, uh, so kind of shared it with me. So why the hell not? Bickler, are you ready and excited? Yeah, it's about time we got a slow pitch right down the middle. Oh, yeah. Well, this is, yeah, this is a beach ball. Uh, here we go. <laughs> What year was the last LFC player sent off against Leicester? <laughs> so the last red card shown to a Liverpool player against Leicester. You know, if you don't get the last one, what, the one before or something like that, I'll give you guys even credit for that. Galley is frozen. Cosgrove even says that's some question. It is some question. I know it's almost hard to get, but you guys are trivia experts. I'm going to get a bunch of listeners who are. So, Bickler, let's start with your guess. I'm just going to make baseball reference the rest of the show just to make you upset. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of a baseball analogy. Um, dude, I don't even like the game. I love it because, you know, most of us with 
a lot of don't even know with a great degree of certainty all the years that Leicester's even played in the Premier League with Liverpool. Um, is it Premier League era or all time? A any match in the last match, uh, last time they were playing against Leicester City and they got a red card. Uh, 82. Okay. Would you like to take a player guess? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, the confidence. Gally, are you over the shot yet? I, I'm not. I'm not. Because I don't, I don't know if the person who did the red card offense would know yeah, the, the last end. time a player was sent off. I, I'm sure I was, he's he's the player right now. He'd be like, I don't fucking know who the last time someone got sent off against Liverpool. I don't think Andy no, Robertson against Liverpool against Leicester. You're worse than Bickler. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just say. I'm gonna say it's during this Premier League run since Leicester's been back, and guess it was 2016. Okay, we'll let this brew a little bit because. Yeah, it's going to be – I kind of knew it, this was going to be a tough one, but I thought it was interesting and a couple of names that are kind of familiar, so we'll go with that. <coughs> so, now that you guys are over that shock, let's go to the second hand in business. Let's start with the Newcastle game real quick so we can come and talk a bit more about the weekend. The good news is coming into the new year, uh, we're going to be having midweek podcasts too to cover the midweek games, Champions League games and stuff like that. So we should be able to focus more on weekend games on these Monday podcasts. But let's talk about the Newcastle game real quick. Despite falling behind Galley, it almost looked like, even as a worrier that I am, I was pretty confident that we were going to pull that one out even after falling behind. Uh, what did you make of the game? Yeah, I, you know, there's always a surprise when you find out 24 or 48 hours before that you got a COVID outbreak and you're going to be missing starters and you're waiting to see who those starters would be, um, you know, I always worry when Van Dyke's not in the lineup, even though I thought it was a good thing for him to probably have a game or two off. I didn't love the, you know, the way they came out the blocks. Obviously you concede early. It was against the run of play. Uh, we were even better the next 10 minutes after the goal. And I thought it kind of woke us up and then quickly we take the lead. And once we had the lead, I felt good, uh, but I was waiting for them to put the match away. And until you know, Trent hits the thunderbolt into the top left corner. You know, that could have been just as much squeaky bum time as some of these matches we've watched late, you know, these close one nil games. You know, we saw another close one at the weekend. Um, and I think it's just a lesson that you got to put these teams away when you have opportunities. And I think we did miss chances against Newcastle. Uh, and luckily it wasn't a better side because they had a few opportunities to make us pay and they didn't take those chances uh, on a different day against a different opponent that could have been one of the dreaded draws that we're always frustrated about at home. So though it was a positive win, um, I feel like it was kind of the, the start to an ominous negative week. I think the two biggest talking points from the game were obviously the COVID situation. And I think the goal that we scored uh, with, you know, Eddie Howe worried that he's going to get chopped up by the Prince uh, after losing yet another game and heading towards delegation over here. Uh, Bickler, take your pick in terms of the talking point, which kind of like affected you more from that game. Um, 
honestly, I think the thing I like I was most interested in is in the first 25 minutes of that match, Tiago seemed hell bent on being Newcastle's best player. Yep. And like that was just an insane 25 minutes by one player. Um, and once he shook that off, it was like that dicey refereeing, Trent's Thunderbolt, and then the whole thing with then like Eddie Howe after the match and whether the play should have continued with their men in the box. I think that's probably the most interesting one. I think either way he kind of comes out looking poor in that situation just because like either like if you've got a player down with a head issue, then he realistically the responsible thing would be to pull him if he's really hurt. And so like he comes out and says the guy's really hurt. He doesn't pull him. And then the other thing is if you look at it, man, it's just, you can't really believe that, that was the issue, the way that he was looking down the line and decides to go down after contact. So that was probably the most interesting thing. Uh, the COVID outbreak is going to be, you know, that's obviously a thing. Uh, maybe something was going on with Tiago already, um, but because he gets it out and he's out now. But yeah, I mean, it's weird that when we have all these matches stacked on top of each other because it's hard to remember. But really, the Eddie Howe situation with the, the penalty. Uh, or one play to be stopped. That was the one that kind of stuck out in my mind, uh, along with the opening 25 by Tiago. Yeah, I mean, we had a discussion on this in terms of, you know, what we feel about, like, the rule overall and how it's kind of, like, administered in terms of, like, head injuries and things like that. I mean, I personally think, we talked about in the Discord fan channel, by the way, which if you have not joined it, please do. Why the hell aren't you there? Because we talk a lot about, like, just footy stuff in general and, there was a huge talk about the transfer market, for example, today. How much doesn't Adama go for? What's the conversation? Uh, but yeah, join in. It's nothing but just good old-fashioned footy talking, joking, and laughing. So, uh, but anyway, like we were talking about, I personally still think compared to other sports um, and having had two, you know, daughters play this game, one of them still playing it, I really feel, you know, overall, the sport does a really bad job about head injuries and concussions. You know, there are so many times you see the guy trotted back out. I mean, how many players have we seen over the years with, you know, like a bandaged head and, you know, like rolled out there and it's like, oh, what a hero warrior. But his brain is probably still like rattling. Uh, you probably should not be playing and somebody should be like, no, you should not be playing kind of thing. So I know they don't do a good job. So this is probably a step in the right direction. But with anything that professional athletes do, I feel like it's being abused because there has never been so many injuries that resulted in like a head injury ever. As I watched this game for freaking like 47 years now, everybody that fall who falls is holding their head now. So the game stops. So where do we go from here? I guess, Gally, that was like my biggest takeaway from that. Cause you know, there is really no head injury there. And going back to what Bickler was talking about, if really there wasn't head injury and the guy was like concussed and everything, then why the hell he didn't play? So that's obviously a bullshit story. There was no head injury there. They were trying to get the ball game to stop. And this is something that every team does because what better way to kind of clear the pressure than stop everything for like 30 seconds, 45 seconds after a corner kick. But at the same time, how do we make that distinction or how does a ref make that distinction? Yeah, well, I, I think that is the that's the crook in the argument, right? The the issue is is to, to your first point, the sport needs to take this more seriously. 
I still remember Hugo Lloris literally being unconscious and waving off trainers and Tottenham sending him back out to play another 10 minutes and then having to take him off the pitch. I remember Jan Vertonghen actually throwing up on the side of a pitch in a Champions League match against Ajax and going back out for Tottenham after they had had the whole thing a month earlier with, with Lloris, which just proves if we don't protect against themselves, the clubs, the player, et cetera, they don't take care of themselves. But then we have the other side, which is the deceitfulness to where they're literally trying to con a referee into blowing a whistle to stop another team's advantage. I think in the exact instance that happened in Newcastle, there is nothing Liverpool can do but continue playing and cross that ball into the box, period. They're on the attack. They didn't see the guy go down. The ball gets cleared out. They turn it to the right. They stand the ball up. Jota heads it down, right? It's a goal. That's a, that's a good goal all day long, in my opinion. Uh, VAR took a look at it, had the ability to call back the goal and say that they should have stopped play and didn't deem that anything happened there. So they had an opportunity to chalk that goal off if they wanted to. But I think they saw what we saw, which was two Newcastle players collided, looked like it was a shoulder on shoulder, and then the guy held his head because that was the easiest way to, to basically defend. And I think we gave an opportunity to an athlete to do their job. And Isaac Hayden's job right there is to not let Liverpool score. And he tried to do something and it backfired terribly, right? Because in the end, the guy laying down on the floor is the guy who plays Jota onside because he would have been offside based on the last defender. <laughs> I know that was like insult to injury. I guess you could put that. Because when I was watching the replay, I was worried about the fact that he was off. And I was like, oh, the guy is keeping him on at the same time by laying yes. down. So it's like a, that's like what happens when a guy twists his ankle and isn't smart enough to roll off the pitch because he wants to stay on the pitch to try to end play. And he's laying on the end line and then the ball gets cleared. And you tap it in the net and you're on and you know and you're playing a guy on side from halfway inside the box. So uh, I don't think there's anything we can do because I think you have to take the injuries more seriously. I think what they should be doing is doing something the um, league said they would do forever, which is retroactively punishing players for deceiving match day officials. They did it recently where they actually sent a player off who won he won a penalty to kick in the championship. His team scored the penalty kick to win, and the league gave him a three-match ban for a blatant dive, which they called a red card and deceiving a match and changing the outcome of the game. And I, I think they should do more of that because the only way I think these guys will stop doing this is if you actually embarrass them a little bit and call them out on the shenanigans. What do you think, Bickler? I just feel like that is very hard to prove or – I mean, there are some cases where it's obviously blatant. I mean, it's, if you're a poor actor, I guess you're a poor actor. But, uh, I mean, if you do your acting halfway decent, it's very hard to say, nope, you didn't get hit that hard. Or Because sometimes, I mean, we will play the game. If you're going full speed, which my full speed is not great, but still, if I'm going full speed, uh, my balance is not that great either. So if somebody, like, touches me, it does affect you a lot more, even if the touch is not, you know, Touch can look minimal, but if somebody is in a full momentum, that's going to affect it differently. So it's kind of hard to sit and watch, I would say, 80% of the time and say, nope, he's exaggerating or he's not, unless you, your Neymar, where we know you're freaking exaggerating every goddamn time. But let me get my Neymar rant out of the way. What do you think, Bickler? 
Yeah, so I think the determining injuries and then determining simulation are two separate things for me. Um, <clears throat> I think with the injury situation, the way that you deter that is exactly what happened. He got scored on. Nothing got called. Um, but the problem is, is that relies on the referees as a group and a whole entirely to police it consistently that way across the board so that it gets rooted out. We both, I mean, after the last couple of weekends, I think we can all agree that's probably not going to happen. Um, with simulation and stuff, I, I mean, I agree with Galley. I'd love to see more retroactive like stuff for simulation, um, you know, whether it be fouls, penalties, whatever it is, you know, uh, just another way of getting competitive advantage. But like it's doing a huge disservice to these referees and, and the system in general. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, it's crooked. So, um, I think they're two different issues for me, but yeah, I think the only way you root it out in this situation is the, the no call. Right. Um, but who's got the stones to do that consistently and hold it up. Exactly. But at the end of the day, despite a minor scare in the beginning, that was, I thought the whole, like the Shelby sequence, there kind of like wrapped up. Shelby in a nutshell, like if you haven't watched him play for Liverpool in the past, you could just watch that and be like, ah, I get it. Where he would do something that was like really brilliant. I thought that was like a great shot. And then just do like something totally boneheaded on the other side. And then the rest of the game went like that too. But uh, despite a minor scare and despite missing, you know, Fab and Van Dyke, we kind of like move on. And then we come towards the weekend where games are getting postponed left and right, except four games, I think, ended up being played, right? And, of course, one of them ended up being our game. And then right before the game, we kind of find out we have even more COVID casualties. And suddenly, we actually don't have a midfield, but we end up playing the game. Uh, I know we're not going to be on the same page on this one overall. So let's start with Galley's rant uh, first. What do you think of like how this whole thing is handled and the mess? Because I thought, I mean, I think I used the word bullshit uh, at least 50 times as I was talking about it uh, over the weekend before the game even started. So it's not like, you know, I had this reaction after the game ended like that. And I kept saying this is bullshit and I'm going to be really pissed off if you lose points in this bullshit game because of this. And lo and well, behold, which, that wasn't understand. the only reason we lost points. We'll get to that. But go ahead, Gallagher. I just want to understand. So you you were frustrated that the game was played because we were missing three three quality starters and a fourth because of something else. That's ultimately like what it was. Because Henderson did not miss this game because of COVID. He was sick. No. And we didn't have played no matter what. So we were down two of our three regular midfielders and Virgil van Dyke. And you felt because we were down three of 26 players, they shouldn't have played the match. Here's what I feel. Because they're here's, important players. Well, here's the thing. Who's going to make that judgment? No, you but either postpone all the freaking games. and Because yep. everybody is a squad. If the importance of the player does not matter. It didn't. Then, Everybody should be able to pull out a squad. Everybody has like have a those squad. squad. So that's Anybody, I think if we can start Morton as a defensive midfielder against Tottenham, every freaking club has a Morton they could have pulled out and played their games this that, that was our fault. Starting Morton was a mistake. Well, I understand that. My point is 
people Period. have players, other play teams have the same type of players that they can use to counter the COVID thing. So you, Lester, if you're going to cancel games, you either cancel them across the board or you don't, you either play all of them or you don't play any of them. So they had some protocols. Listen, I'm not going into whether I think they did a good job managing this. That would be a ludicrous argument. Right. What people were calling for in our Discord channel and on Facebook was it to work in our favor when it worked in our favor. But when we could play Newcastle and we were down a couple players and we could pick up three points, we should play that match now. But if they've canceled these games, if they've canceled the Tottenham game and it got played in January without Sadio and, and Mo, all I would have heard about how this wasn't fair and balanced because those guys should have been here in December. They have to play football games if we want to finish this season. And that was my argument, was that they should be trying to play every game they can. I don't like how they handled it. I don't like that they made Chelsea play and, and Tottenham and Liverpool play, but both Liverpool and Tottenham had full squads. They really did. They were down a few players. You know, did anyone say Leeds should get a break because they had nine first-team players injured and out? And it's not that different than if the flu had ripped through and they would have had to play. COVID is a really, really, really shitty thing. But the league decided to play this year. The league decided to have players eat in canteens together. The league decided its own rules and the clubs agreed with it. And Jurgen Klopp wanted to play the game. So I think my bigger part was, was I was waiting for the excuses to start and they started right away. And I'm not saying you, Tim, as much as everybody I saw on social media, Facebook, you know, our Discord channel. So my rant is about, I want the Premier League to finish. And for that to happen with a World Cup coming and qualifiers coming and already a truncated schedule, they couldn't postpone any more Tottenham games unless it was absolutely necessary. And the fact that the championship played a game today and the fact that all fixtures are going forward I think actually proves that the league and the teams know they have to keep playing because if they stop playing, they may not come back because it's not going to be any better in two weeks or in three weeks. And I don't love the arbitrariness of it, but Leicester had 11 of their 22 first team players unavailable with failed tests. We had three of 26. So to me, you know, it stunk that they're our best players but all I remember reading was all about how everyone was so proud of Liverpool for how they were handling COVID. Our guys aren't getting COVID. Our guys are all vaccinated. And then as soon as three of our best players get COVID, it's like, oh, shit. But, like, there was no, like, pity party for Lukaku not playing for Chelsea last week. But as soon as it was Virgil van Dijk, it was like, we shouldn't be playing this game. And I'm not talking directly to you. I'm saying to the group. And I, I just think as a whole, that's short-sighted. And I think that uh, there's a reason every professional sports league in the world is continuing to play. Because unfortunately, their leagues, their financials, the TV deals, and every single vendor who sells a hot dog or a t-shirt on the street needs these businesses to stay in business. And if they're not, then the game is going to struggle. And so are the, the, the economies. This is bigger than just football. It's not just a game inside lines. It is one of the largest businesses out there. That was my point. But, okay, so running off that point, though, is what I'm saying is that they should play every freaking game. You either play every freaking game because we're still not going. There are still these postponed games that they have to shove in somewhere down the road. 
So they did already postpone games. If it was if it was everybody was freaking going out there and playing and it was treated like the flu, like you said, you know, like you know, they have eight guys out of flu, it is what it is, or eight guys twisted an ankle at the same time, it is what it is. That's fine. Then everybody should go out and play. But if you're gonna cancel certain games, they're like, oh, they're eight, so that's bad. Six, well, you guys are close enough, get out there. I mean, if you're gonna treat it like that as Premier League, that's the, the arbitrary part of it is what I don't like about it. And like I what agree. You're I agree, but all they did today was actually tell us what the parameter was. They claim that every one of those teams couldn't field 14 senior players, including a keeper, which is why they were canceled. They've just now told us today what it's going to take to postpone a match going forward. Yeah, because I think somebody is over there shuffling the pages. They're like, dude, we got to come up with some shit because they're going to ask why we canceled some, why we didn't cancel some. That's my thing. Is that even fair? So let's come to you, Bickler. I mean, because I don't think that's even fair either to say you you have for Stop the freaking games. And I understand this is a business, but we've done this before. We've canceled freaking like tournaments before. So (laughs) it's a, yeah, it's a business. It's more than a game. But it's still human lives and human health that's affected. Is this how much you care about your players that you constantly talk about as Premier League? You know what I mean? So my thing is the fact that they are like canceling some and not canceling, just cancel the whole freaking thing because you know where it's going. They were better off. And I still feel like we're headed that way. They can deny it all they want. Because I don't think it's fair to have a team go out there with, you know, 13 guys and the goalie. If, you know, like some of them I've never played before and like the center back is going to play striker and the, you know, the midfielders playing right back and stuff, because that's not the league I want to watch either. Like, I don't want to watch who else can play. I want to watch the actual teams. So if it's about like the money and everything, if it's like the quality of the product that I feel like stop everything, if it is two weeks or three weeks or whatever, and kind of go back to what we did with, you know, like, your policies and how you monitor the players and how they live and where they live and all that kind of crap and proceed that way once you kind of get the situation under control, I guess, was my thing. Bickler, what's your take? My take is that you and I are two guys that have serious trust issues and I want to put down <laughs> justice in the world. Um, no, but seriously, like, I, I, I'm with you. For me, it's like I either want it completely on or completely off. For a number of reasons, um, in like the lack of transparency and the ability for fixtures to be manipulated is my my biggest worry with that. Um, just because like you're right, we start playing a numbers game of how do we get X number of players fit or, or where is the line and when we call this game and not. And I worry about the truthfulness and honesty from certain managers, too. Um, I mean, I think across the board, there's ways that a lot of this can get manipulated and played out in a manner. And my thing is just for the integrity of the league in general, there needs to be some consistent blueprint as to 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 play. Um, and I think the easiest solution is either stop it and do a two week pause or they just play them and you deal with the cards that are dealt, like uh, whether you have healthy guys or not or, or not. Um, but, yeah, I for, I for me, it's you got to either have one or the other. I think the can of worms have everybody open because the games they've canceled are like some of these teams are playing in Europe. So when they're going to eventually shove these games in, they're not going to really have a lot of midweeks where these guys can play those games. So it was always going to be an issue. I almost felt like it was 
Yeah, the Premier League essentially made the rest of the year a nightmare for themselves because they're going to have to figure it out. And there are going to be teams that can that definitely get the raw end of the deal when the things get reshuffled. Instead of maybe shifting everything like two weeks over, I guess that was like, you know, I mean, it's easier to bitch with no solution. I guess that was my solution in my head is and say, hey, let's stop everything. This is getting out of freaking control. Maybe till New Year's or something like that. And then you know, shift the entire league two weeks over in terms of like the fixtures and everything. And, you know, be able to kind of control it, go back to your like more stricter protocols and stuff like that. I mean, we're kind of seeing this in NBA and stuff like that now too. It's just a freaking mess. You have some teams with like freaking like nine guys there. Like the other day, like Lakers had a dude that wasn't even healthy, sit on the bench just in case too many people fall out that we're going to like wheel his ass out there sit him in the corner or something so they still have like five guys on the quarters i mean it just doesn't make sense there has to be a point where we say you know what yeah it is a game yes it's a business i understand what you're saying galley but you know you kind of us because we watch it on saturday morning but like for for the people that live there the people that work there the people that need it, it, it it's a big 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 business and and i understand the match is getting canceled hurt and the rescheduling shifts you can't just change things two weeks you do that, and all the people who had tickets two weeks earlier can't make it. The people that are coming from overseas, the you know, and ultimately, as soon as they put all the fans and supporters back, as soon as they allowed for the the full practicing, as soon as they allowed for non-masks for unvaccinated players, right? You knew this was coming back. So, you know, they can stop vaccinate the unvaccinated fans from enter, supporters from entering the grounds. Great. If they want to roll back the amount or even go to games behind closed doors, which are just a snooze fest, right? Fine. But the idea of talking about the product and the equal balance, that drives me crazy. Because to be honest, in Spain and in the Dutch leagues, they cancel weekend matches so teams can have a better advantage come midweek to play in their Champions League matches. Do you know how many times Barcelona has not had to play the weekend before or after major? And they change everything so that Barcelona does well, right? No one yells that, that, that screams that the English team they have to play that had to play Thursday night, you know, midweek or play on Sunday and have to travel on a Tuesday is getting some is getting screwed because the people in Spain are soft. They just it's it's what the, the leagues work on. And I want this league to finish and I want every team to play 38 games because to be honest, the only other option I saw was they were going to figure out a way to use average points per match to determine a winner because I don't think teams were all playing 38 games because believe it or not, they have a deadline that all league and champions league games have to be completed by to assure that FIFA has time to prepare for their shitty November world cup. And that's a big part of this is there are still qualifiers that have to be played. The season can't go till June or July like it did last year with an extended add-on to it. It, it, it actually can't this year. It has to end on May 12th. And I, I genuinely believe that had a lot to do with it. And let's not kid ourselves. They just signed a huge-ass TV deal that switches over on January 1st to a new network. And they weren't going dormant at this time. But let's be real. We send the players home. It's Christmas. They're still getting together with family. They're still hanging out with kids going to school. They're still getting chances to get COVID. And if they get COVID, like, 
it sounds to me like a, if a team or three or four guys on the team get COVID, we think that we should shut it down. Like, I just don't think you can do that in today's world. I just want you to know none of this has anything to do with my opinion on vaccinations, COVID, it, how real it is or isn't. Like, I, uh, this has no, this is about soccer games being played and that I think Liverpool used this opportunity to add to the level of excuses for what I thought was their worst performance of the season, regardless of the officiating in the match. And I know we'll get to the match. Yeah, so let's talk about the performance a little bit because I see that's the problem. I find it harder to be that harsh on the performance just because when you remove your midfield, it's kind of going to affect everything that you do. Um, Bickler, let's start with you. Uh, what did you make of it overall? And obviously, it's kind of hard to take the refereeing out of it as well in terms of yeah. how it affected the game because a lot could have been different if Kane gets the red and Jota gets the penalty and stuff like that. But let's talk about in terms of how we kind of like lined up and how we started the game. Let's go with that, Bickler. I mean, I think we lined up the best we could. That was – and I don't think I hated the, the Morton – inclusion as much as I did after the match prior to the match, just because, I mean, this is the first match that he's played where he really looked like he was a boy playing with men. Right. I mean, he's held his own and looked pretty comfortable up into the time that he was playing uh, the big boys uh, in Spurs midfield. So I hate that. Um, I mean, you don't, Anytime you got that midfield, you just know you're going to lose it, especially with runners coming through. And I think that's where we struggled was defensively. They just flooded through there. Um, the roughing, I mean, I think we'll get into that later. I thought it was such a helter-skelter game. It was crazy. It reminds me of that first match we played Leeds when Leeds came up. Uh, when it first came up, and it, it was just the most chaotic 4 3 madness ever. Yep, um, this was that with like worse quality and shittier reffing. Um, it, and it was terrifying. Like, I mean, it was just like we were so open at the back, it was like two teams that just carried each other the entire game. Um, and, and I thought Allison uh, cost us the game, but I also thought that he saved us the game. So, like, I don't know how you go with that because, I mean, Spurs could have been up four – had four in the first half easily. Easy. That he – I mean, he made some – it was a it was a combination of Deli Ali being who he is and, and, and Allison making some huge stops. Um, and I thought we did some good things offensively, but it was just – there was such a huge disconnect in midfield it was hard to consistently get the ball to Mo for the first time. And we've seen that in ages. Um, and – I mean, I think the story for this one is going to be the COVID and the refing. Um, and we came out worse for the wear on both ends of that. Um, you know, I don't want to whine about it. We weren't the only ones. It was, but the last two weeks around the league have been scary bad for officiating. Yeah. So before we even get to the refereeing, because I think we can probably have like a full podcast just about that BS and the whole VAR concept. But uh, Gal, you kind of alluded to it earlier in terms of like, you know, uh, maybe Gordon not being in there or should not be in there. It was almost like a mistake. Uh, like, did you think that was the idea midfield to try it out there knowing, you know, we don't have the regular dudes? I, 
I don't understand starting this match. I would argue with who was available, the most informed and quality midfielder probably was Ox. Playing right now over the last week and a half, two weeks, played the most minutes of any midfielder that was available for that match and had been playing a pretty good job doing a job in that midfield when he got minutes. And to have him sitting on the bench and have James Milner, God bless his old aging donkey soul, on one side and Nabi Keita on the other with a kid who makes, you know, who basically is built and looks like me. You know, it, I know Kaz made, Kazi and me made the joke and I'll steal it from him, but he looked like a kid where they read out the ticket number of the person sitting in seat 80 of section four. Today is your day. And then they gave him a big jersey and he walked Come out. On out. <laughs> because you know what happened? He tried early to do what he did against Milan. And I think it's easier playing a dead rubber on the road in Milan to jump in Ibrahimovic's face, take a ball off his toe, feel confident, you know, grow into the match. That and showing up playing a road game in the Premier League, being the defensive midfielder sitting in front of what isn't your best center back pair. So where I will say this, I don't know who else you start because we've had this, me and Paul have both said, when you start James Milner at the six, you know, there's nothing worse than James Milner trying to sit deep because he's going to go forward. He's going to make a play, and he doesn't have the legs anymore to get back. It's just a yellow card waiting to happen as he takes someone down in midfield as they run past him. Um, but Morton was having people run past him. He almost looked lost. And for that, you know, I just think the kid got put in a tough spot. You know, this would have been a great day for Jurgen to say, like, all right, today I do. I do something I don't do. I break, you know. We all laugh at Pep when he switches up his team and one day he's got John Stones sitting in midfield, sitting in the six, and everyone's like, why is John Stones playing the six? And it's like, because Rodri and Ferdinandino aren't available and he knows that's what gives him the best chance today to win. So maybe that was the day. Maybe yesterday was the day to have, you know, Gomez and Kanate at center back with Mate playing in midfield with Keita and Milner playing a little bit less attack-minded, a little more sit-back dropping in between being more of a back three when we were out of possession. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. You could see 20 minutes in, it wasn't working to Paul's point when they could have been up for nothing and we did nothing to change it. And on the 45 minute mark with 15 minutes, he did nothing to change it until we were 60 minutes in. And every one of us had asked for Kata to be subbed off twice. And then we had to remind ourselves that there was actually a player in the midfield that probably needed to come off first. And for me, it just looked like Jurgen wanted to play the game to prove his squad was deep enough and then put out a lineup that just didn't bode well and match up. But now we're going to get into the refereeing, which probably should have made this a 5-1 outcome if it had been handled properly. That's true, too. Before we get into the refereeing, I mean, I, I'm kind of on the same thing with Big but I think, like, when I saw the lineup, I didn't have a big issue. But I think, to your point, Gally, I think that made a huge difference for that kid is the difference between playing a game where there's absolutely zero pressure. You could have lost 10 balls against Milan and would not matter, would not affect the club or the team whatsoever. Whereas, you know, this is obviously a lot more important, a lot more on the line. It affects the long run. So, obviously, that pressure got to him. And he did lose. And let's face it, even the 
even Tottenham in their current stage, which they were not good, I thought, at all. I mean, if it was like our regular midfield, I think we would have pulled them apart. Or, a, you know, a ref who can see things, that would be another story. But but I want to talk about Keita first because we did. I mean, I know I get the hassle for ripping on Keita all the time. Bickler gives me shit all the time. But, like, even in the goal that we conceded, I know transpass was not well, and I think this was like a discussion we had on the Discord channel during the game. I feel like his timid play and not going in 100%. And I know this is because of his injury history, so he's playing a bit more scared, or that's his overall style where he plays a little too casual. And I know Thiago does the same things at times in terms of with the ball, he can be a little bit too casual. Against, I think it was Newcastle, he gave the ball away a couple of times. It was just like, you know, hands up, constantly apologizing and stuff. But more than that, I think when you compare him off the ball, I feel like Keita, he's a great stealer of the ball, but he does not use physicality at all. If that same pass is going to Milner, Milner is either killing somebody or getting killed or something is happening, but Milner is going to that ball full speed. Whereas mm-hmm. Keita was like, eh, I don't think I'm going to get to that. Did not go full speeds. We turned the ball over, ends up being a goal. But what do you make of his performance, or is it just me ranting about Keita as always, Bickler? Um, I'm going to use a baseball analogy. Uh, <laughs> keep going. Keep trying. keep trying. He's a real home run hitter in that he's either going to hit it out of the park or he's going to strike out. Um, no, <laughs> in all honesty, that – Nabby's like he is a high risk, high reward player. I mean, to me, he sits in the channel, he sits in the half space and tries to eat into passes and he gambles a lot. And it either comes away with a, a sweet strip in a really dangerous spot, or he gets smoked and you're on the back foot and you're vulnerable now. Like, and I think that is that's been kind of a glaring thing for for him since he came in. I I do think he's better than he gets credit for still. I mean, you even look at the shot, like he opened very nearly scored with the half chance that he had, you know? So, I mean, people forget about how good he is offensively going forward. Everybody wants a creative midfielder all the time, but they don't appreciate when Nabby does that stuff. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he, he's a killer in terms of turnovers in the middle of the pitch. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, there is like, it's almost like a lack of urgency at times in bad spots on the pitch. Um, I definitely agree with you there on that. Um, so yeah, he, you know, he's definitely, he comes, he's a mixed bag. And unfortunately for what we spent and what we expected from him, that's disappointing at this stage in his career. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's just odd. Cause he can do some ridiculous things and hit those home runs that you talk about. Uh, but it's at the same time, it's just so frustrating to watch. Cause it almost looks like, and I know that's not it but like he doesn't care or something like, you know, like you'll have these guys that you play with. You're like, dude, if you only asserted yourself, you'd be so good. And you just like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, man, I'm trying, you know, but no, you're not. You know? <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of not freaking trying VAR, which, you know, when the league gets inevitably paused, I'm sure we can dedicate a full episode podcast. Uh, when this COVID break happens that Galley is fighting against. I, I will, I will do this right now. I will. I'll make a donation to your favorite charity. I'll do. I'll, I'll do the podcast. You know, 
No, I'm whoa, not whoa, doing whoa. podcast in a. I was trying to think of something, but I'm like, I'm not doing it in an Everton jersey. I'm not doing it like in a. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But um, I, I, in all seriousness, there's. I believe if they aren't stopping it today, after 60 percent of the matches were canceled, with a they're playing the worthless Carabao Cup matches tomorrow. That lets you know. They're not course, normally the starters don't play anyway, so it doesn't matter. No, they're not out. stopping this league because it's not about that. It is, you know, the old analogy, it's about the money, stupid. And I'm not calling you stupid, but that's the truth. That's where it is. They're not stopping these games because once they stop, they create a precedent that says if they honestly believe this is going to get worse before it gets better. And I think that's why they're not stopping. And I, I mean that I think they're going to be a little bit more transparent. I think they're also going to play a lot more matches that they weren't playing before because now they've laid the lumber down. But as far as the league goes with the VAR, with the officiating, I have been talking about this, what, all year long? The state of the officiating is the worst case I've ever seen. That English officiating might be the worst of any federation in the whole country. Um, I've always had a problem with Paul Tierney. Clearly, Jurgen Klopp has too, seeing that he met him at center at center pitch and told him, I don't have a problem with match day officials, only with you. <laughs> Maybe the best quote ever. That's like being like, no, 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 no. I don't cheat on all wives, just you. <laughs> like, that don't, that don't make no sense. It's like the meanest thing you can say to someone. Like, you're the only one. And then his response is brilliant. He never played the game. And, you know, that's what I love about Klopp. He does his homework on everyone. Like, he knows that Michael Oliver was like a a lower-level player, got hurt, and then went into officiating because he wanted to stay in the game. He knows that, you know, John Moss was a high school gym teacher and is still built like one. Um, But, like, (laughs) he he understands these guys. And Paul Tierney is a problem. I've been saying it since the first time I saw him come up. He did, like, a random match. I think it was three, four years ago, one of his first matches ever. Um, He... Was got awful then. He's gotten no better since. I'm with Paul. I think earlier today he talked about like a, a rating system where they make sure that the top crews, the top match day official teams are working the big matches. And I think they need to monitor more than anything who's working VAR. And I hate giving, you know, ex blowhards like Neil Barnett or, you know, um, real Ferdinand any credit, but both of them have been saying forever, you can't have the same officials running VAR. It's supposed to be two different entities. And if they really wanted to do it right, and God knows we shit on MLS any chance we can, right? Do you know MLS got rated like the best video review system in all the world? Because they don't actually do the clear and obvious errors. They have like different criteria. And the crowd didn't have even slow it down. Probably just tell in real time. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother story. That's because this game is going in, real, in slow time. <laughs> Sorry. But, no, but to be totally fair, do you know why it worked though? They they spent the money. They hired Howard Webb and they told Howard Webb, one, you can't match, you can't officiate any United games. But in all seriousness, what they told them was was you're not going to have anything to do with on-field refereeing. We want you to maintain and manage a VAR system that will work for us to centrally manage this when we have games being played in three different time zones in two different countries. And they do a better job of it than the idiots in England who are just protecting the shield. They're just protecting their buddy. So as soon as 
Chris Cavanaugh heard John Tierney or Tierney say, I saw it. I know it was nasty. He was like, yeah, I'm good. You don't have to look at it. And it's a ridiculous rule. Kane has to be sent off. His response is ridiculous. The penalty, I think it's a penalty. I think you probably both think it's a penalty. If it's called a penalty, it never gets overturned. If it's not called a penalty, I can see it not getting over fixed and overturned. But he should at least take a look. I had a bigger problem with the nine other yellow cards, including one for dissent to Kata for doing this. Like, he lost control of the entire match from five minutes in. And it was basically clear and evident. And, you know, booking Klopp, everything was off the, off the charts bad. And right up to the robo thing, which I'll let you guys talk about because, you know, I don't know how much more. I, mean, I think, like I say, I figured, like, there's no even need to go case by. I think we're all in agreement that, I mean, the red on robo is one maybe we can discuss because I thought it was too harsh. But I guess... I can see it being given, and I don't think I would have fought it as much. The reason we were, I think, more outraged and they watched it and stuff was because of what happened with Kane earlier. So, you know, you're like, you're letting that one go, but you're going to go back and watch this and retroactively show the red on this. And I think, you know, it goes back to VAR being, yeah, it's part of the same club. Uh, so you're not going to make the other guy look bad because as you override him more and more and more, obviously you're kind of like exposing the guy, your boy in the middle, who next week is probably VAR in your game. So he's going to return the favor and stuff like that. And I think this whole, to use a, you know, baseball analogy. So Bickler understands like the strike zone constantly changing as they say in baseball, you know, uh, that's, I think the, the inconsistency in the game, the way it's called. And I realize like some things, you know, there are going to be some refs that let certain things go a bit more than others and stuff like that. But you know, you kind of get the feel of that once the game starts, right? You're like, okay, today I'm going to be able to get away with this. As a player, you kind of know, okay, this is going to be called today. This is not going to be called today. But when that constantly freaking flip-flops, it's kind of hard to play too. And I think that's what some of those yellows were. And, you know, you see like things that Tottenham players were doing and not getting the... I mean, if you show the yellow in the first one, then okay, then this should be a red because you already gave the warning, showed the yellow. Now this should be a second yellow. It was just like ridiculous. And I think Bickler, like you were saying, it's has it really gotten worse like those last two, three weeks? Or is it just part I, I, think, I think the last two weeks have been noticeably worse, starting with the Wolves City game. Oh. And I think like I think there's I, I want to separate my facts from my feelings because my feelings say it's really fucking unfair that this always feels like it happens to us. And the two critical calls that happened in the city game were in were over rules that that went controversially in favor of city. One which specifically got them three points on a late penalty. Like my feelings say that feels fucking personal and unfair in a title race, and that league shouldn't be decided like that. Uh, what the facts are is like that these match officials, like there's a systemic problem and they'd make really shitty parents because you got to treat your kids equally. Right. And that's my problem with the way that these were all looked at. Like one was correctly ruled in my opinion of the three. And that's the one that just happened to go against us. Right. The other two, like if you look at them, like you're at least going pitch side, right. You're at least looking at the pitch side monitor for that. Like, 
And I think the systemic problem is, is we talked about clear and obvious and we talked about high bar with VAR. And what we've really done is we've created a system where the VAR officials don't necessarily want to get involved. Like right. they, they don't, they'd rather they, like they, it's like a game of hot potato. They're just going to put it right back in the ref's hands when the original call. Um, and I think like that goes really against the grain of how we saw it used in the Euro. Um, interestingly enough, Kavanaugh, who did our game, is considered one of the best VAR officials rated by UEFA across the board. He's also one that called the straight red in the Swiss game, the exact identical tackle that Kane did. So, like, I mean, it's just we did this to get rid of the human element and the human error, and we've just created another layer of it. Correct. Essentially. And, and it feels like a fraternity that's run by the fraternity brothers with no, absolutely no oversight. So we don't get who's policing it. We don't get transparency. We don't get like, you know, the, the explanation of why it wasn't called a red on Harry Kane. It was so laughable today. Like it was embarrassing. Like they said, they didn't give the ref because the fall occurred after Robbo had jumped. So what they're saying is for that to have been a straight red, his leg would have had to have been planted on the ground which means that essentially the player has got to make a decision on whether I protect myself or do I potentially ruin my career just to get this red card. It makes zero sense. Anybody who's played football knows it's ridiculous. The UEFA stance on that very tackle is that it doesn't even have to make contact for it to be a straight red. As long as it's high and there's a chance for intent or injury. And excuse me, and nobody on this podcast would ever defend a United player, right? Am I mistaken? Or when Pogba came swooping through, was it not the play when Pogba got sent off for the crazy red card? Was it not a leg that was up high? He just grazed it high. And after giving him the initial yellow, VAR was like, wait, you got to look at this. This is a lunging, dangerous tackle. Just because it didn't break the young man's leg doesn't mean he can't be sent off in this spot. And he saw the walk. So let's just be real. If that was a defender, if that was, and I, I hate even saying this, if that was a defender, if that was a French striker, if that was Nicolas Pepe, he sent off. If that was, like, if that is any other player in that spot, if that was Robo, he's sent off. If that's Hendo, he's sent off. Harry Kane gets that call. Maybe Raheem Sterling survives that play and for all the people who say him being england captain has nothing to do with this him being the country's great white hope in the face of the of the country and the face of the premier league i told you all in the summer that dude was a dirtbag a liar no i did though i said i said his fans should boo him i said what he was doing to hold that club hostage was criminal and if he was luis suarez he'd get killed but because he's Harry Kane and he's from North London and he's got a, you know, a, a weird little accent and he kind of is a mouth breather and talks sideways out of the corner of his mouth, he gets away with it. He said he doesn't even think it was a foul. So he won't even stand up and own the fact that he might have injured a player and said, hey, my bad. He actually said that he would be he would be fighting it if he had gotten a red card and that he would expect Tottenham to back him up on it. Same club. Okay, bear in mind, you're talking about a guy who claims he scored a goal 
that he didn't score, so he would get the credit for it. So yeah, what he said has like zero weight. But he's just going to your no... thing. Like if this was Son, who did that tackle, he's definitely getting a red because he also has the history for reds too. So it's kind of like, but this goes back to my and baseball analogy that I don't want to get wasted over here with the whole strike zone thing. But uh, I wish, I mean, that's the thing. This could be like a two hour podcast, but when the league, first of all, we need help from listeners. So when this league does come to a stop, if it does come to a stop, we need some kind of a punishment for Galley because he could not come up with one. He almost did, but then he kind of backed out, right? Bickler, he was about to spit something out. But he kind of backed out, so we need something from the audience. I would rather the listeners. I'd rather the listeners come up with a way to embarrass me for a league stoppage that won't happen than coming up with ways to embarrass me with trivia questions. I have no fucking chance of getting the answer. <laughs> well, to. good and thing you reminded me, buddy. <laughs> What's the answer? Let's go back to that. This uh, BJ is actually the one. Who did submit this so you guys can thank him personally in the Discord fan channel afterwards? And the question was the last red card uh, that we saw against Leicester City. And I am shocked and appalled that you guys had no idea. No, seriously, I kind of knew you guys would have no clue. Uh, 1999, David Thompson is actually the red. Actually, the two, only two reds against Leicester City is David Thompson, 99, and 98 is Jason McAteer. Right. How you guys don't know this is beyond me. But okay, I'll try to get something simpler for you guys next week. Honestly, he came with this, and I was like, great, because I didn't have anything ready yet, so went with that. But since Galley is not irate enough, at oh, least not to God, my I thought we were let's talk movie. about fantasy real quick. Another reason why I'm freaking livid, Bickler, about this whole COVID thing, because 90% of my guys are not playing, the teams are not changing, but then when these guys come back and play the games, if I use triple captain, I'm going to get six times the points minus five squared. Hey, man, and don't overthink it. Just play your best guys, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. As long as I have 13 and a goalie. Uh, so going back to the league, Despite all this mess, Kelly is hanging in there. I think at one point she had lost the top spot, but she regains it back 56 points. On top, she has 1,208 points. I scroll down, actually had a good week. That's why he's constantly wants the league to go back. That's the only reason you want this league to continue, so you can hopefully cash to Kelly in the long now run. Now the truth is coming out. Exactly. I did it's it not so about players. I want the league to continue, so I have something to do. It's um, not about public health. Hey, I'm not going to lie. Nothing but trivia for like a full hour. Imagine the joy in that. This is like yeah. the War of Roses, but in your house. <laughs> Chris Gallivan is fifth. Good week with 72, 11-72. We scroll down to the mess that's Bickler and I. I'm Hell a yeah. mess than Bickler. Bickler is 45th at 48 points, 1,065. I had 43 points. Only 107 behind you, Galley. I'm coming. Yeah, and I'm right behind Don't worry. You. With all these extra pileups, you'll be good. Here. But I'm saving my double bench triple captain for these weeks where there's going to be 100,000 games to make up for the games that are being canceled and stuff like that. So let's touch up. Uh, we've kind of like coming towards the end. And hopefully maybe we will have like our first midweek podcast this week and call about talk about the League Cup and see if there's a game this weekend to talk about. But 
Uh, real quick, Wednesday's game, do we care? Do we care not? Galley. I care. I want to win it. We're the best team left in this tournament. We should win it. Bickler, so do you expect like a lineup that's designed to win or do you expect a lineup that's... I expect a lineup that should still be better than the lineup Lester can put out there because they're in an even worse shape with health, fitness, and COVID issues and injuries. So we should put out the best lineup we can, get Gomez runs. You know, Samika's got to play three more games. We didn't talk about this, but, you know, the real thing is, is we're lucky we have this game because Robo gets a three-game ban in a tough time. So we're going to get a lot of the Greek scouts twice against Leicester and once against Leeds. At least Robo will be back. Imagine how tired he's going to look. It is. No, he, he might <laughs> fall to the, in the 70th minute. <laughs> but no, I, I expect this to be a rotated team, but I expect, you know, I'm hoping Origi's back for this match. Maybe Taki and Origi and Kai Gordon. Um, Midfield's probably going to see Morton out there again, which is good for him to get back right on the horse and see if he can't put a good performance in. Uh, and maybe that was part of it. Maybe maybe Ox is the captain of this side, playing in the midfield and actually trying to play kind of the anchor, holding the team together, and that was part of the plan. But I expect him to go try to win it. We're, we're down to the last eight, and I would say it's us and Chelsea as far as the talent to go win it, and I think when you have a chance at a trophy, you go get it. Bickler? Yeah, man, it feels like a long time since we've won a domestic cup. I wouldn't mind seeing a fairly strong side, and that's kind of what I'd expect. But, yeah, man, if anything, I mean, that – I'm shocked. I, I know. I usually don't care about – I mean, I usually prioritize league over everything, and I, and I still do, right? I just think that, like, at this point, let's face it. Like, after the first of the year, City just doesn't drop many points. We're three behind. It's a, certainly a closable gap. We could certainly win it, but in case we don't, it would be nice to have that cup in the back pocket. Yep. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this. I agree to the point of a trophy is a trophy, but with all the stuff going on, I don't want to put a lineup kind of going back to like the rubber games when we talked about. I don't want to put a lineup and lose somebody in this game. I think that'd be the worst thing is to lose somebody important in this game, not to be able to play the weekend. If those weekend games happen, Galley. So, before we okay. wrap up over here, you got the festive environment. I'm actually pretty disappointed in you, Bickler. Uh, you had the house full of freaking pumpkins uh, for Halloween. I don't see any Christmas decorations back there. What are you doing? I guess I'll be politically correct uh, for the sake of being politically correct. But for the holidays, what are you doing, Bickler? Uh, so the kids are off with mom and her family in, Disney, in Disneyland. So I am up on my mountain. Being the Grinch, man. You so, are the Grinch. You have the dog. So I'm going to be wading through cans of who hash and and <laughs> and uh, the natural light later, and that's going to be it. Just so we're clear, it might be who, it might be hash, it probably won't be who hash. <laughs> Good thing. What Merry Christmas. that was like a that was a sad story of what Bickler is gonna do, but he was the same one doing uh, snow angels with beer cans last holiday. So uh, this is how Bickler rolls, people. Uh, that's why that's why he needs us for the therapy. Gally, what are you planning? Uh, we actually held Christmas here for my immediate family on Saturday, just this past Saturday. Um, we always get together because my sister can't get out here, so that was really great to see all my 
mom, dad, my nieces and nephews in the same room for the first time in about two years, which is pretty cool. Christmas Day, we go over to my sister's in the morning, little brunch, open some presents, do a little day drinking, go take a nap, watch a little football, wake up on Boxing Day and watch a whole slew of Premier League matches. You know why? Because 10 of them will be played. Yes, as long they as might have, have they might be guys like baseball where there's a lot of double headers. Hey, it might be it might be 10 Premier League matches with 55 Tyler Mortons, but you know what? It'll be 10 Premier League matches, and it'll be 10 matches closer to them, hopefully lifting a trophy at the end of the year. Again, I'm not saying I think it's the best product. I'm not saying I think it's the best thing for the league to do. I don't believe they have a choice and they know it. And that's why they're going the route they are. And when you show me any league in the world that has stopped playing games in the last six months, what league has stopped playing games since they restarted? And you know why? They all knew they could take a break and they had to because society required it. But once they came back, they knew the money required them not to stop again. They tried to put in parameters and it didn't work. And every league is shuffling now in the shuffle until, you know, a couple years from now when this is actually behind us. And I do think it's going to be that long where this is going to be part of our lives. But I just think it's changed the landscape of a lot of shit, including pro sports. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't see it going, getting better. Let's put it that way. The MLS stopped. That's good. Not mid-season. Yeah, the season's over. I think it's, it's not because it's over, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was say, it stopped because they felt bad for their fans having to watch in freezing cold. I'm just trying to be positive, right? That's that's a good thing. <laughs> hey, baseball's on strike. If COVID did one thing, Timuchin, it killed baseball for you. There you go. Hey, that, hey that's one well, thing. That. Baseball is a bit of an unhealthy, season. obese product. It was right for it. Yeah, despite despite all these baseball analogies, I'm not gonna, we're already way over our regular time. I'm not going to go over my baseball rant. But, yes, I heard the strike thing, and I laughed. And I laughed, and I laughed because, yes, that's great. I, but, but honestly, the first thing I told my wife is good. At least we won't hear any bullshit uh news about like spring training all that kind of crap coming up so where they go to arizona so they can play because god forbid they play indoor uh but okay because they can't play in the rain because you know they get wet and soggy and they can't do all that stuff it has to be perfect nice and sunny for i would love i would love to see someone come on and frolic you know i would love to see someone throw a 95 mile an hour fastball soaking wet with you standing in the box and you being like, yeah, I think we should See, play today. This, this, is the, this is the argument that I always get against baseball. I wasn't going to get into this, but you asked for it by saying that. Everybody's like, dude, you think it's easy to hit a no. ball that's 102 I'm, miles an hour? No, I'm, I'm not saying it's easy. It's a skill, but it's not a freaking sport. You're throwing it with your hand. They do it for safety. Like, it's pretty much a real thing. I agree. It's a soft sport. I can't stand it. Haven't watched a game in years. But to be totally fair, the idea of playing in the pouring rain is kind of stupid. Dude, there's like two drops and they're like, let's go in, guys. It's raining. Anyway. Uh, uh, this, is how, <laughs> this is how Americans talk about soccer. But that's what drives me crazy, even crazier. Because, know. you know, when you have guys over there who can't play in the drizzle and then to make fun of football players because they rolled around a couple of times hey. after getting kicked is what just think, it's one me. more reason it's one more reason for you to dislike neymar which just gives you one more reason to live 
BJ says it's like swimming. Swimming isn't a sport. It's just avoiding drowning. <laughs> that's, that's pretty. Good. Which I'll give him that. But yeah, we'll maybe I'll do like a we'll do a segment where I I mean this could go for like a whole year if we did a segment for it where I bitch about an aspect of baseball every week. So this week will be the rain delays. Uh, in a, even in the drizzle. Next week I'll have something else. Trust me, there is enough to go. At least a year's full of episodes. But to everybody listening, uh, whether you celebrate it, happy holidays, Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Hope everybody has a great weekend. If the games are going, despite what we think, if Galley is right and these games keep going, but we do need some kind of a punishment if these games get canceled for Galley. So send those in, and for God's sake, keep sending these trivias in because it only drives them crazier, which we like seeing. Thanks a lot, guys. You guys have a great holiday. All the listeners. Everybody as well. See you guys next Monday.